Hello and welcome to episode 232 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. I chirped you guys for predicting 2-2 two and two. last time we spoke. I said it was boring, but you turned out to be right. The Blue Jays split a series at Tropicana Field with the Tampa Bay Rays. The bullpen is terrible the first couple games. The offense doesn't show up, and then the the, the two themes swap. The Blue Jays show up for games on Saturday and Sunday, and they revive what could have been a terrible series. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Definitely doing good. And it may have not have been the most famous pick or like the most you know creative pick, Mark, like you were talking about, but in reality, it's all they needed to get out of there after a four-game series at worst to come out with a split. We know about the playoff race. We know how now nothing has officially changed. Since the beginning of the weekend, of course, when it comes to the Jays and Rays, um, a completely different theme, like you said. Like, there's the first two games, it, w- it wasn't looking good whatsoever. Quickly after game two, I think my expectations kind of dropped to don't get swept. Like, that's just the mood I was feeling. And I was texting you guys yesterday, even about the Alec Manoa start on Saturday. I just didn't have a good feeling about where the offense stood until Whit Merrifield was our hero. And all of a sudden, they come out with the split on the Sunday as well. You got to like how this series ended, and you got to like how it. Or, or, or how the team is rolling as they enter their final homestand of the regular season. Yeah, and I mean, I guess maybe one negative thing will get that out of the way, I think, is Blue Jays do not win the season series against the Rays, so winning these last two games are of the utmost importance now, because if you're tied with the Orioles, not the Orioles, tied with the Rays at any point towards that end of the season, unfortunately, we're going back to the House of Horrors and probably the ugliest ballpark in Major League Baseball. So getting that two-game lead, very, 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 very important. And, you know, it's it's not an easy rest of the season for either the Blue Jays or the Rays. A lot of division leaders, a lot of great teams, but you needed to win these two games. If you're going to not win the series, you have to split it. And they were able to do that for, you know, the last two games. And now it's up, up against the Yankees. That's going to be a great series. But yeah, no, basically they won. They had a moral victory. And I know we don't like to talk about that, but they they're now leaving this field, not hating themselves, realizing, oh, we're we're in a lot of deep trouble. Those two words are the worst two words in sports. Moral victory. I hate it. I hate it. But I think this is more than a moral victory for the Blue Jays. And we talked about this last time we spoke. But taking a split at Tropicana Field against the Tampa Bay Rays, yes, you don't get the season series. And yes, this may come back to be a problem in a week or two. But I think against a good team, against a team that's right there in the playoff race, to hold steady and to keep things at status quo, that's got to be a win in my books. I think it is in all of our books. Like It's an acceptable result. Of course, you hope that the Blue Jays do better, but the fact that you lose the two games, you have the resiliency and the strength to bounce back from that, not get down in the gutter, and be the better team for the final two games and build some momentum before you go home and face the Yankees, That's a big series, and I think we're all pretty happy with the result of it. Um, Let's start with the first two games, because those games were abysmal, as we've been speaking about. And the bullpen is a large, holds a large part of the blame 
for those two games. Of course, there's other blame to go around. You know, the starters not being their sharpest. And then, of course, um, the offense not totally showing up when it needed to. But you look at the bullpen, and for those first two games, there was real concern, at least I know for myself, I think for a lot of fans, that the bullpen was hitting a wall, that the Blue Jays were hitting a wall with the bullpen because um, you look at the use that the bullpen has been thrown into over the last couple weeks. They've been used a lot. They're exhausted. You have games that Mitch White is starting. You have games where Yusei Kikuchi is going two, three innings. You have games where Trevor Richards is starting. And you have games where Jose Brios isn't getting out of the third inning. So all these factors combine to put the Blue Jays' bullpen in an less than ideal situation and I think we kind of saw the results of that in the first two games of this series where the bullpen hit a wall and I think it it's kind of an area of concern for me down the stretch the fact that they can go from being good to totally collapsing and someone like Jordan Romano can go from saving however many games in a row to blowing two straight saves like that's an area of concern for me. I'm not saying, I don't want to rehash this conversation. I think Jordan Romano is a good pitcher. He's a phenomenal reliever. He's the best reliever the Blue Jays had. But it's just the fact that they can hit a wall so suddenly and just collapse for a couple of games. It is an area of concern for me, especially as we head into the playoffs where you are going to be relying a lot on the bullpen and a lot on some of those, you know, four or five same guys. Yumi Garcia, Adam Simber, Anthony Bass, Jordan Romano, Tim Meza. I'd say those are the five guys that you're going to be throwing out there, if not every night, two out of every three nights. That's just the way the postseason works. And if they hit a wall after overuse a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about what might happen if you're using them every day in the playoffs. So not a huge concern in the grand scheme of things, just something that I think we learned from this series. Well, I have two things that go on to this and I think are a little bit of a something that will give people a little bit of a breather here. Number one, starting rotation is not going to be this bad all the time. Like Jose Barrios, it he's had a better second half of the season, but that two innings, a lot of earned runs charged to him, that can't happen. You know, especially against teams that you you need to win against. And when you get into the playoffs, you can't give up a game because especially that wild card series, it's three games, two games if you lose the first one, and then who knows what happens. Like that is not what you can see, what you can have happen. And the second thing is. The playoffs are a little different in the sense that if it's a three-game series, a five-game series, or a seven-game series, realistically, you need four starters, I think. Yeah, you can have that fifth starter, but if you're in the, say, the wildcard series, to make things simple, the first series that they'll play in, assuming they get in, I know we discussed who we think is going to pitch, but realistically, it's going to... No, no, just just listen. It's most likely going to be Manoa, Gosman, and Stripling in whatever order. So, in the worst case, say Barrios has a abysmal finish to his season it's not like he'd be a factor in that wildcard series anyways unless it was I don't know somebody gets rocked and they just need somebody to throw innings before the bullpen gets into it something like that but those are the two things I think that definitely make it a little bit better because you're not going to be relying on you know just the the first two games the Blue Jays allowed 10 runs in the first or both of the first two games you know Barrios only this the two innings Richards had to throw an inning in a third Zach Pop had to throw almost two innings, you know, one and two thirds, an inning to David Phelps, two innings out of Foster Griffin. You're not ideally going to see that. And even with Mitch White in that second game going four innings, you then see Meza with a third of an inning, Bass with two thirds, Simber with two innings. So yeah, maybe not ideal for him, but then Garcia with an inning. Ideally, you're not going to see that. What you are going to see if you are in a playoff series 
you're most likely going to see something like Alec Manoa, six, seven innings, which he did in that second game. Then all you need to do, to use are guys like Meza and Romano, who, okay, yeah, maybe they're going to be used a lot more when every single day is a game that you absolutely need to win. But I think the bullpen works best when the starting rotation is not doing the complete opposite of what you expect it to do. Because that's the big thing to remember here is you can expect Gosman, Barrios, or maybe Barrios, but Gosman, Manoa, Stripling. These are guys that you can expect to go at least five, six, if not seven innings. And then you're not necessarily just stuck with your backs up against the wall trying to figure out who's going to cover innings. The only, I guess, issue with this is except for travel days, you are playing every single day in the playoffs. And that is, you know, kind of why you really, really need to plan these things out carefully. But I'm not necessarily as concerned because even if it's a, you use three or four starters in your division series or or three starters in your, your wildcard series, you still have that room. You're going to keep Kukuchi in the bullpen, you know, maybe Mitch White you know, one of those two in the bullpen, Brios most likely in the bullpen. So you can rearrange it as much as you need. And knowing that you're only going to play a couple of games it within like the span of a week, you have, I think, the, the, the flexibility that you need to be able to maneuver these guys. But it's not one that I'm necessarily worried about. Now, if they collapse, you know, if we're seeing Romano blow saves again, not necessarily do what he'd been doing for most of the season, which I don't think is going to happen. But say that happens, then we're a little bit nervous. But knowing that every single game is of the utmost importance and you, because of the the less amount of games that you're playing within the, the time span, you have the ability to say, okay, Simber, you're going to pitch today because Romano's not pitching well or whatever like that. You can do that. That's why I think in down the stretch, absolutely, it's important. But I think for the Blue Jays' sake, they have the pieces that if they needed to move things around on the fly, I think they can do it. And I think, honestly, it starts with that starting rotation. And so that's why if you're Brios, you need to bounce back. If you're Kevin Gosman, you need to have solid innings, solid, you know, solid outings. And th- that's all things that I think will happen. But going into these last couple series of the season, the last homestand of the season begins tomorrow, you are kind of in crunch time. And even if you've been on the team all season long, you are kind of auditioning for your playoff role. And we'll have to see how that goes. I I do think the team will perform well. I mean, magic number is it's winding down so eventually they're going to get to that point where they make it but it's one where i think it will solve itself this whole bullpen situation but it needs to start with that rotation being a lot better and we saw it in the second half of of this last series yeah that second half of the last series is kind of why i'm not really concerned as or not concerned whatsoever i don't think so other than obviously being overworked is something that has been a, a topic of conversation all year and that's exactly what's been happening throughout moments of the season. We've talked about it where even just, I guess, before the trade deadline, this was a weakness of the team, and it has just been something where they needed to go out externally and get a couple guys in. They did that, and I think it's just the fact of how this series started to how it ended, it, it really does give you a good perspective on, I guess, just the bullpen situation in general. I mean, you look at the first two games where they're pretty, pretty sure the Rays scored 10 runs in both the, uh, the first game. No, sorry, the first game they scored 10 runs, and that was when it was 10-6. So that was, or sorry, that was game two uh, with Mitch White pitching. So that was obviously not a good one. And, of course, you look at game one as well where they struggled when they lost 10-5, so I was right. They scored 10 runs in the first two games, and you had Mitch White starting, you had Jose Brio starting, and, you know, I understand to the point that you need Jose Brio to, like, bounce back, and you got to hope he bounces back and all that, but, I mean, pretty much what you said, Jacob, or part of what you said about it being crunch time, like, 
you can't really afford to do this every single time. And it just, it was one of those starts where it looked like the Jose Burrios from the first half of the season where his stuff was just off and everything he threw basically got had turned into batting practice. And that's exactly what happened when he lasted two innings. And of course, we know the amount of, I guess, usage, usage the bullpen had after that. And of course, in game two with Mitch White only going four innings. And then of course, that wasn't didn't go smoothly as well either. But then you turn around to game three and four, and first of all, you look at game one and two and kind of say, well, you know, the Jays gave up three or ten runs in the first two games. Well, they pretty much responded to that by allowing one run uh, in the last two games. And that's exactly what happened in game three. You had Alec Manoa go out. Seven strong innings. We expect all this from Alec Manoa, and he just seems more dominant each time. It it, it feels like that extra day off definitely helped him uh, in terms of his um, in terms of his velocity because their past couple starts in the second half of the season, usually when a start has begun early on into the outing, the velocity is down, and then it takes him maybe I don't know about half a start to get his velocity back, and that's what you've seen, and you kind of you know wonder. Uh, the fatigue factor on that. So the extra day off has definitely helped him on that. And then you hand it off to Mesa Romano, like you guys were talking about. Pretty simple on that part. And then you look at today in game four with Ross Stripling going five good innings. You know, a lot of people, not not a lot of people, but some people I thought or saw online questioning the fact that Stripling only went five innings and maybe they thought he could have won more, won more inning, which is fair. But anyways, he goes five good innings and he hands things off to what you guys said after with Pop, uh, Simber, Richards, and Kikuchi because by the end of the game it was a blowout and luckily he didn't need to use guys like Jordan Romano. So that's good. And of course, that's a lot better than game one and two. Um, you know, I think the factor of this big or the big factor of this bullpen, which comes fairly obvious, is going to be the performance of the starting rotation. You see game three and game four, how it translates or sorry, not translates, how it compares to game one and two. And this goes to guys or goes on guys like Jose Brios, you know, you need him to pitch well like he has in the second half of the season. And the fact that he's giving up a stinker now this late in the season doesn't exactly have me very confident in him but that's just been a story pretty much for him all season in terms of that and that's why when we've had conversations about who started this wild card series coming up a lot of us don't really have Jose Brio starting that um, in terms of a plan a in terms of what you're throwing out game one game two game three and that's pretty much been the talk with everybody and unfortunately that's just been the case with him this year and we know that Mitch White was just recalled uh, to pretty much fill in as a fifth starter for the the last homestand of the series and then of course that last series in Baltimore, and you you won't have to really revert to him too much, you know, not many more times, and hopefully his next start, uh, the Jays already have clinched a playoff spot. That would be, I guess, the most ideal uh, case scenario with that, and of course, that's one of the days on the rotation where you really only kind of worry about it because of that, but if Jose Brios doesn't bounce back, then all of a sudden, you're kind of back to an issue you were at the beginning, you know, earlier on in the season, so that's definitely crucial that in this final homestand, Barrios is a guy that bounces back. Um, and that's really what you have to see. And I think that obviously translates to the bullpen with the usage. And I think it's pretty straightforward of that. And that's why I don't think I'm too concerned about that because you're, you're, you know, you're needing to have starters go at least five innings and have good starts. So they're not allowing a lot of earned runs. So I think that's obviously crucial going forward. So, you know, you have that and then you kind of look at where things line up for this Yankee series and even just the homestand in general. And I guess I'd ask you guys, before, or when I hand it back off to you, Mark, is a lot of people now are asking the question, and this kind of goes back to our whole, you know, fun conversation we had about who starts game one, game two, and game three. Now, a new question that I'm starting to see, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, Mark, definitely not you, Jacob, because you barely go on Twitter, but Mark, I was wondering if you've seen the, you know, the idea or now the the notion that's been, been put in place with, you know, how you start Alec Manoa to clinch home field, but then if you do that, 
he's not exactly available for game one of the wild card round. I know that's just another whole can of worms, but I thought that was an interesting thing. And I saw it a few times on the weekend, and I saw it a lot today. So I was wondering what you thought about that one. Uh, I know it's a can of worms. I think the Blue Jays... I don't know, to be honest. It's a really <laughs> tough question to answer because there's so many different sides to it. And the fact that, yes, Alec Minow is your best starter. I, I guess what you're asking is it... Is wasting Alec, I shouldn't say wasting, is using Alec Manoa in game 162 to win home field advantage worth the cost of potentially losing a game because you have a bad start from Jose Brios? Because he's the guy who is the next man up. Or you have Alec Manoa go on a short, on short rest, one day short rest, because uh, that's also a possibility. I don't know if Alec Manoa has ever done that in his career. I don't think he has. So. I don't know if you want to be experimenting with that in the middle of the playoffs, but then again, if any pitcher can go on short rest, I think it would be Alec Manoa because he's a guy who doesn't seem very married to his routine or routine-oriented because he's you know, the most relaxed guy in the clubhouse and in the dugout on start days. So I don't know. I I think, okay, talking through it, I think I'm leaning towards starting game 162 if it's a tiebreaker and you need to win that game and then have him go on short rest if the series goes three games. Because I think Alec Manila on short rest, only going, who knows, four innings, is going to be better than Jose Barrios on however much rest he's on at that point, six, seven, eight days of rest. Because Alec Manila, I mean, we it speaks for itself. We saw what he did, seven solid innings, um, reached a career high in pitches this past series. He has reached 300 strikeouts, the fastest guy in Blue Jay history to do that. You look at his road ERA, some of the best in the majors. You look at his ERA overall, one of the best in the majors. I think this third in the American League behind, I think, Shane McClanahan and Justin Verlander. I think are the two ahead of him. Dylan Cease might be up there. I don't know. But uh, he has one of the best ERAs in the American League. Like, he is the ace of this rotation. So it's just trying to manage your resources. And I think that would be my preferred scenario. Um, have him go game 162 if you need him. And then use him on short rest in Game 3 of the wildcard series. Another interesting facet of all of this that I think is really, really intriguing is the fact that you may need to use a fifth starter at some point in this postseason. Just looking at the schedule, if the ALCS goes to Game 7, Game 3 through Game 7, there's no off days. It's October 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. That's five games back-to-back-to-back. You would need a fifth starter for Game 7 of the ALCS. And I think that would put a lot of teams in a terrible situation. Of course, it would put the Blue Jays in a terrible situation because they don't have a fifth starter. So you're talking about the possibility of, A, either having having whoever started Game 3, I guess, go on short rest, or you're talking about having a bullpen day with, Trevor Richards and Yusei Kikuchi and Mitch White in Game Seven of the ALCS, the game, the nine innings that decides. No, don't even suggest that. Series, it's a bonkers idea. But like any team that gets to Game Seven of the ALCS is going to have to face this conundrum because you, I, I mean, I think for every team, the fifth starter is either a non-existent or b pretty bad. 
So it's going to be a conundrum for whatever team gets into that situation. I just think it's really interesting for the Blue Jays. But again, I think it goes back to conversation about who can go on short rest. If it lines up that Alec Manoa is going game three of the ALCS, he's going game seven on short rest in my mind. So interesting conversation. Fun to be talking about these things and not having to worry about whether the Blue Jays are making the postseason or not. Well, see, it's not like this hasn't been done before. You remember game two and five of the 2015 Division Series, Marcus Stroman started both of those. And I believe Marco Estrada, there was a couple of games. I think he pitched game one and game five, maybe of the, the Royal series that, that same year. I want to say Madison Bumgarner. I mean, everyone knows how insane he was, but I think in the world series, he went game one, game four, and then came out in relief and pitched like four innings in game seven. Like it's been done, but then again, Madison, Bum- like you weigh the damage on an arm potentially. I don't know. Yeah, true. That's it's not ideal to p- potentially have somebody go on three or four days rest, but I think if it happens, if it needs to happen, the players would be more than willing to do it. Now, obviously, if they're not feeling well, th- or if they can only go a few innings, then that's a different story. But it's, yeah, actually, you know, you it's it's good that you bring this up because it is something that we do need to consider. You know, you're not going to get Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, and Ross Stripling every game, so it's. I, Part of me really hopes Jose Brios bounces back, and he has been good this second half of the season, a lot better. But it's okay, one where but even if he he has what two starts left, even if he something like that is like pitches, let's say eight scoreless innings in each start, do you still trust him in the postseason because he's been so spotty? Nope. If that's how he ends his season or something similar, like if he's good, if he, if he's not anything close to what he was against the Rays, I still think you give him a start. Now it depends on the scenario. If if you were on the brink of elimination, I don't think so. If see that's tough because the championship series and the world series are the only ones where it's not a three game three games that you need to win or lose. You know that's well, you one. May, you may need him in the division series as well because that's, that's just what I'm the saying. Way that the it's rest tough lines there. up. So like mm-hmm. you may the Blue Jays don't really have a choice if they get past a wild card series. They have to use Jose Brios. You just pray that it's not in important games. Well, that's what I'm saying. So with the division series is, I think if you're up 2-1 or 2 nothing, you can put them out there. But if it's one, basically if there's, if it's something else like that, if you're facing elimination or down in the series, you, unfortunately, you just, you cannot trust him because you say you're facing elimination and he just is not the Brios that you need him to be. Well, then you're packing your bags early. You know, that's, that's the tough part about it. So it's a tough thing to discuss. Nobody wants to talk like this and nobody wants to say, Hey, the guy that the blue Jays traded top prospects for and invested like 200 million or 140 million, whatever the exact numbers were, we don't even want him in the playoffs, but it's unfortunately one you have to have. But I guess going back to what I said earlier, if you're in the scenario, say the division series, if Barrios does not perform well, you can throw Mitch white out or you could throw somebody else in like, Okay, I know Bryson obviously doesn't like that. No, but what I'm saying is that they have guys that can take the innings knowing that each game, is the importance is magnified and maybe Mitch White in a playoff series is not the, the, the best option. But basically what I'm saying is, is that they can reconfigure their roster if they need to. But yeah, no, I think it's it's one where you, other than just begging Barrios to be better, I don't know what else you can do because he's just been very inconsistent and you do not have that that flexibility for inconsistency in the playoffs. So I think also it's it's one where run support is going to be key for him or key for any of the starters, but you're 
if you're Alec Manoa or Ross Stripling, Kevin Gosman, you kind of have to win your games or else, or be part of the reason why the team wins the game. Because if the, if you lose and you're relying on Barrios and then, I don't even want to name other names for, you know, multiple elimination games, you're in some deep trouble. But I don't know, part of me, and this is just wishful thinking, but I think he'll be better in the playoffs. Look at Marcus Stroman. This is, this is a very different scenario, but he had a terrible 2016 season, very up and down, but then he was a lot better in the playoffs. Something like that could happen. I know the Twins, if I remember correctly, started him in the wildcard game a couple seasons ago. Something like that. I, f- I feel like it was him or... I don't know. But he was the Twins' <laughs> Wait, ace for a while. Who are you talking about again? Brios. Brios. Yeah, Brios. Oh, I thought he was talking, talking about Strowman. No, no, I was talking about Strowman. Then I'm saying Brios kind of gives me those same vibes where he could turn things around in the playoffs. But let's just make it there. Then we'll have the headaches and head-scratching conversations about that. Because, I, you know, I mean, I'd rather have that conversation than... How do they make the playoffs next season? Yeah, I'm, Mark, I was confused just like you were there. But no, I, yeah, I understand sorry, what I you're saying, to say though, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. And then Burrios, yeah. Yeah. Like two separate. Well, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to unpack uh, from this conversation. So, I mean, if you first want to talk about the five starter thing or whatever it is, I think you were talking about in the ALCS, if that ever happened. Like, I just. I just feel like it's since it's something that we very rarely even see, like I'm willing to guarantee that there's no chance there's going to be a fifth starter. And really the only other solution from what you guys were saying on the other hand of that is that, yeah, it's going to be full of people on short rest. The only good thing about that is that every single team is going to have the exact same issue. So it's not like you're at some sort of competitive disadvantage to a different team. It's everyone's going to be on short rest. And that's the way the playoffs work. You guys were talking about tons of scenarios. You know, when you think about a prime Madison Bumgarner back in those you know, those eras where the Giants would win every other year. He was a guy that was pitching out of the bullpen. He was pitching every, like, two or three days. You know, if you want to even look at a most recent example, it was from last year when Max Scherzer came out of the bullpen um, in a do-or-die game. Um, I think it was against the Giants, I think. It might have been even later on in the postseason. But he came out of the bullpen either way, and he was traded at the deadline to be their race. You want to think about a Blue Jays situation, you have even David Price coming out in Game 6 of the ALCS, even though the Jays lost that game. He came out of the bullpen that day uh, on short rest. So this is all something that I'm sure they're planned for. This is something as well where you have multiple plans at a time. And what I mean by that is if Jose Barrios is pitching in a DS game, because of course, like you guys said, if you move past the wild card round, then you're likely going to have to revert to four pitchers like it usually is. Guess what happens if he has one bad, or, or I would say maybe two or three bad hitters, one bad inning. He's done. There's no give him four innings. You know, hopefully you get enough innings so you can hand it off to the bullpen. In a postseason game, that's not how. That's not the way it works in the postseason. And that's why I always find it interesting and exciting because of that, especially in the wildcard series or even when the wildcard game was a thing. The short leash on these pitchers, if they don't feel it, they're done, and we've seen that before, and that's exactly why these aces come out of the bullpen here and there. That's why they pitch on short rest. And even if you have, you know, a Barrios penciled in for game four, is it really set in stone that the Jays don't revert to, hey, Alec Manoa's on short rest after pitching game one. The Jays need a win to stay alive. He's pitching. You know, there's so many different scenarios that they go over. Nothing set in stone uh, in the postseason ahead of time, unfortunately. Unless you're Alec Manoa or Kevin Gosman in this rotation, nothing will be set in stone uh, past them, uh, and I can fully believe that. And of course, I'm talking about if they get by that wild card round because things open up in the ALDS. It's a best of five game series, right? We're talking about that, and of course, the CS in the possible World Series or even possible CS, I should say. That's seven game series, so you have so many more options once you get past that wild card round. But even when you want to t- look at the wild card round, the same thing applies in a way that even though you have three starters penciled in, 
you still have different sort of, you, you have different plans. You're gonna have guys on short rest. They're gonna they might they might be coming out of the bullpen, and that's something that you're gonna have to be prepared for. And I'm sure they've already began conversations about that. And again, that's why postseason baseball is the best for that because of how quickly people make decisions and all of that. I mean, if you're in a do or die game three. And you need, you know, let's just say Alec Manoa, hypothetical. He pitches game one. He does amazing. The Jays are in a do-or-die game in game three. Are you really handing the ball off to Mitch White for, you know, an inning or two? Or are you going to go to Alec Alec Manoa on short rest in order to keep your season alive? I think we know the answer to that. And I think those are just, you know, that's an example out of tons that you're going to see, not just with the Jays, obviously, but pretty much through everybody throughout the rest of the postseason. So hopefully the fifth starter conversation, and hopefully the Jays get to that point, number one. Hopefully that's something that, for for heaven's sake, does not happen because I don't think I'd be able to handle watching Mitch White with all due respect in a playoff game. Jose Barrios in a playoff game seems even risky enough, and you might have to do that at some point, like we were talking about, if you get by the wild card round. But just I don't want that idea planted in my head. I would rather short rest from guys if they're giving two, three, four innings, like you said, Mark. That's probably more valuable than a you know a full start from you know another guy and that's fourth or fifth in your rotation compared to getting limited outings or limited innings on short rest from like an Alec Manoa or Kevin Gosman. So hopefully that's never spoken about uh, if we get to that point, and hopefully we do get to that point. But that's just what I like about the postseason because of the different scenarios you have. Nothing's really set in stone. You know, it's kind of a game-by-game thing as much as you pencil in some sort of rough outline on what the series is going to look like. When your season's on the line, you got to do anything you can to keep your season alive. And if that means avoiding Mitch White, if that means... You know, maybe avoiding a Trevor Richards in a situation for a starter that pitched two days ago, you're going to do that for a couple innings. And I think that's why I love the postseason aspect of that. But it's going to be interesting when hopefully as much as the magic numbers out for, of course, nothing's really set in stone until they make the playoffs. But and that's why the postseason aspect is so fun because of that. But once they actually clinch when we get to that day, hopefully it's could be this week. It's going to be interesting, although. It won't be, I guess, thoroughly announced until after probably that Baltimore series. Are you going to have once that Baltimore series kicks in uh, next week for the final series of the year? That's when you're going to have an idea of what things are going to look like because then you likely start to set up your rotation. Then it's going to be interesting when we when we you know eventually find out what they're going to be going with or at least what the rough plan is for game one, game two, and game three. The one thing I'm learning from this conversation is that the Blue Jays have no choice but to carry Mitch White and Yusei Kikuchi on their postseason roster. And like we've been criticizing Yusei Kikuchi for months and saying we don't want him anywhere near the postseason roster. But when you look at it the way that we just looked at it, how much these games are compacted because of the lockout, shifting the season by a week, et cetera, et cetera, and the addition of a three-game series at the start of the postseason, like you kind of need those guys on your roster, which sucks. It sucks, but it's just the way that life is right now. So Bryson, you mentioned clinching. We should mention the Blue Jays magic number is at four, which is awesome. The Blue Jays have the potential to clinch on Tuesday against the New York Yankees at home. If they win the next two games and the Orioles lose the next two games, we know the Orioles lost tonight in extras to the Houston Astros. And so the Blue Jays' magic number goes down from 6-4 to four today. Um, very exciting. It's probably going to happen at least by the end of this week. And that's a lot of fun. Um, let's talk. We've talked Manoa. We've talked about how phenomenal the start is. I want to talk about another standout from this series, and that's Whit Merrifield. Because for all intents and purposes, before the past four days, 
Whit Merrifield was seen as a trade deadline dud. He was seen as a useless trade. He did not do anything for this team. And he goes down to Tropicana Field and he lights himself on fire. He is now an influential part of this team. He has a couple phenomenal games. He raises his batting average with the Blue Jays from below 200 to, last time I checked, it was about 230. I imagine it's changed after today's game. He just turned his time with the Blue Jays around. Hopefully it continues. Hopefully it's not just a flash in the pan, but the potential impact of him, especially as a second baseman with Santiago Espinal still on the 10-day IL, it's a big potential impact and it could um, be a big factor in the Blue Jays. Um, I don't want to say playoff run because we know they're making the playoffs, but certainly where they end up, whether they're hosting, we know how tight it is right now, all the teams within basically two and a half games of each other in the standings. Um, he's going to be a big part of that if he can stay hot. And I think that's a key part because it could just be a couple good games and it could fizzle out. Well, I mean, right now you got to ride the hot hand. And with Gurriel on the IL as well, him and Espinal, he can play both infield and outfield. And I know Gurriel is expected to come back soon, but right now Whit Merrifield is somebody that you have to roll with. And he's, you know, obviously the two home runs in in one of those games he's actually you know you just you mentioned his his average up to it's looking like 236 now with the blue jays so it's it's or a season total as well but with the blue jays it's definitely he's ideally not the you know the best numbers but when you consider that it's gone from you know under 200 to almost mid 200s that's that is quite good and you know even here like he's he's just he's going and he's having competitive at bats and in that second or in the, the third game of the series that was all the runs that the Blue Jays had. You know, they would have easily lost that game one to nothing if he didn't hit that home run. What did they do? They won three to one. Now, obviously, different things could have factored in if it was, you know, but whatever. Anyways, he provided the offense and the team, you know, he's part of that group. And he's he unfortunately hasn't been an everyday player this season, at least with the Blue Jays. But he right now is, I think, somebody that you absolutely need to roll with. And, you know, you can put Biggio at first, although I prefer Guerrero there. Maybe have somebody else DH, have Whitmerfield in the infield or outfield if you need him. But it's one where, yeah, the trade is not the best in terms of guys that you can acquire. But right now, when you have two of your regulars or a regular and a semi-regular out of your lineup, you're now relying on guys like Tapia, who for some weird reason just always seems to hit triples whenever I'm... <laughs> just watching the game, whatever, but you're rolling with him. Who's, you know, having himself a great last couple weeks of the season Whit Merrifield is now having a great series. You look at guys like Bichette, who's getting hot. Hernandez hitting, you know, a couple home runs in this series. Like the team, even with the, the catchers, I forgot to mention them. Kirk with the home run, Jansen's still playing well. The whole offense seems to be clicking right now. And it's ones where, yeah, obviously Whit Merrifield not hitting a home run. They probably still win or, or go on to win the or, or make the playoffs and whatever but this is somebody that if you're in the playoffs he is not just a oh come in and play defense for two innings or run for one guy like he is now somebody that you legitimately can trust and hopefully it stays I mean it could just be riding the hot hand right now but as of right now I think you give him the playing time you let him he's earned it you, you let him go out there you play if he's one of the reasons, one of those key reasons why the Blue Jays end up winning most of the rest of their games, may you know, hopefully win the wild card series, it's easily, you know, it'll, it'll easily be looking back as well. This trade wasn't crazy at the time, but you look at it and he's a guy that just did a lot of a lot of good things for them. 
Sorry, Jacob, just wanted to correct you. Uh, Whit Merrifield's stats with the Jays, his average is actually with the Blue Jays through 35 games, which is up, updated today on different sites, is actually 220. Just wanted to correct you on that one. But either way, <laughs> you guys get the idea. Oh. I will say, before today, I think it was like 225 or 220. Yeah, I was just joking. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. We understand uh, what everyone's saying. And, you know, I mean, it's something that as much as Whit Merrifield was brought over here, we understood why he like why the trade was made to begin with, uh, despite that whole vaccination nonsense. Um, we knew that this year in particular for his career, it was a down year, even before the trade happened. It's just something that, you know, he wasn't really used to in terms of struggling as much as he did. He comes over here, he turns into kind of a bench player because of the struggle the struggles continue as he became a blue jay. And he had to adapt to a new role with the team. And it was mentioned so many times on the broadcast about how, you know, what Merrifield's anxious to get in there. He's anxious to show his teammates what he can do, how it's different from him that he he's not playing every day. He used to be the Iron Man of the Kansas City Royals. And all of a sudden he finally has a good series, and he seems to be the only Blue Jay that actually likes playing at Tropicana Field. The only Blue Jay, you know, just in terms of that, think about it when you talk about the history with this team and Tropicana Field. We finally found our savior at Tropicana Field, Whit Merrifield, who pretty much turned this series around after that home run in Game 3. Um, definitely the least thing, the, the least I would have expected out of that, but even before the series, he started playing a little bit better as much as the numbers truly not showing it and that it really did show throughout the weekend that he first of all loves Tropicana Field and now the question is going to be if he can kind of keep this outside of Tropicana Field and I know he talked about it even on his post-game interview saying you know a lot of people don't understand that I I could hit it's just that I was playing at Kauffman Stadium my entire career and there's been a bunch of fly balls at Kauffman Stadium that have ended up being a home run uh, you know at Tropicana Field and at different AL East parks so I'm interested to see how long this goes to. If it continues to go on at this rate, he could easily, you know, alongside Kevin Biggio, be a starting second baseman uh, in the wildcard round. I know Santiago Espinal is coming back, but Jacob, you said the key word, and it's been the same philosophy since they got Whit Merrifield at the deadline, no matter who it's been. It's you ride the hotter hand. You know, Santiago Espinal, as much as we like what he contributes— He's, he's going to be out for at least the next 10 days. He's going to come back for Whit Merrifield being really hot. And, of course, Kevin Biggio plays, you know, le, you know, as a left-handed at-bat sometimes just for a better matchup. If Whit Merrifield continues to play well, it's just, you know, entering kind of the end of the season where Santiago Espinal may come back off the IL. We think he will be. Um, it's just the playing time is going to go to Merrifield. You're starting to see that now. You know, the Jays are finally giving him that opportunity. Of course, he finally took advantage of it. But now he's starting to play consistently. And it. Tr- I truly am curious to see how much it's going to continue. I know he's not just solely a Tropicana field hitter, but you can't ignore the splits. He loves it there. Now, the question for him and the big test for him will be taking that with them back up to Rogers Center, back up to Baltimore next week. And if things go well for him, there's a very good chance that he's starting a couple games uh, in the playoffs. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see that. And, of course, hopefully a guy like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. does come back as well, as they definitely are missing him. And you just hope that, you know, as we've talked about throughout the entire season with this team, is that hopefully everyone continues to catch fire, which is why the way the series ended makes me feel very confident heading into this upcoming homestand. All right, we got three games at home against the New York Yankees. The potential for the Blue Jays, to clinch for the first time, for the first real time, I'm not considering 2020, the first time since 2016. Um, Before we get to series predictions, I do want to mention Aaron Judge is sitting at 60 home runs. 
and he has the potential. I would say it's very likely that he hits the tying record, the record tying home run. And yes, the record is 61, not Barry Bonds. Uh, I think there's a very, it's very likely that he ties 61 Roger Maris um, in this series. If he, I think there's a good potential he goes ahead and, and sets the all-time home run record um, in Toronto. So that should be really fun to look for. And even though it is Aaron Judge, even though it's against the Blue Jays, uh, I I cheer for him regardless. It's an incredible accomplishment and something, I mean, you look at it, there's like six or seven people who are six or seven seasons that have been above 61 home runs in baseball history. And they are all Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, and Mark McGuire. I think that speaks for itself. Um, Okay. That being said, two questions for you. Standard series prediction and will the Blue Jays clinch by the next time we talk? Well, first off, they're going to have clinched by the next time we talk. I'd hope, but I think that they will, honestly. If you take two of three realistically is likely here. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I think, honestly, I still... By the next time we talk, okay, it, by the end it, of the week. It, yeah, it requires the Blue Jays taking two of three and then the Orioles losing two of three. I don't know who the Orioles are mm-hmm. playing this week. But. I think it's, uh, I'm not even sure. I think the Orioles. Boston. Uh, they're against the Red Sox, yeah, so. Mm, I don't know. By the end of the <laughs> week, for sure. By the end of the series, I'm not sure. But as for Aaron Judge, <laughs> oh, you guys are not going to like what I have to say about this, but. Gosman in game one, Barrios game two, and then I don't think they have a starter as of looking at sports. And I, don't I don't think, think anything's somebody confirmed listed yet. for game three of the series. I don't know. I'm just looking. Okay, so yeah, but as of Sportsnet, I, I see Gosman, Barrios, and then an unnamed starter. But if it's that, and then who knows what they do on in the final game, he could be sitting at 63, potentially 62, 63, because we've seen what Gosman. Well, Gosman's not that bad. His just numbers aren't great at home, but. Barrios has just been a train wreck kind of the last little while. I think, so as of the Aaron Judge conversation, I think he ties, if not breaks the record. As for the Blue Jays clinching, it's, I think they can take two of three, at least one of three, but I, it's tough when you also consider the Red Sox and the Orioles. So I'd say by the end of the week, but maybe not by the end of the time we talk or by the next time we talk. I will say on Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman doesn't give up home runs. That's part of the reason why his FIP is so low. So, just two cents. Yeah, um, I under yeah, I think there's projected stars. I just don't think it's confirmed yet. Like again, we're at the point now where they're going series by series, which is interesting. So, I I think Mark, you said the earliest is Tuesday that they can clinch. I I don't think they clinch by Tuesday. I just we know that the Yankees are now kind of playing better. Um, you know, my thirty percent went probably from ten percent now in terms of the AL East. Just it's not looking good because the Yankees have continued to play better. Um, so you have that going on. You talked about the Orioles and the Red Sox, two out of three, they got to lose. I'll say by next weekend, they clinch. Of course, we'd love to be talking at the end of the series with them clinching, but you know, a lot's obviously got to happen. Of course, the Jays definitely have had their luck, though, uh, over the past couple of days with the Mariners kind of sliding a bit, and even the Orioles uh, losing a couple of games to the Houston Astros. So magic numbers at four, we know that, 
every time the Jays win and the Orioles lose, it pretty much goes down by two. So that's exactly what happened this weekend. Pretty much the magic number going from six to four that quickly uh, in a span of 24 hours. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but for series predictions, even though we don't have any confirmed starters and I'm going in blind like we all are kind of with this, I will say... I'll say they take two out of three from the Yankees. I'm not worried about the two out of three I'm, from them. I'm worried about if the Red Sox can take two out of three from the Orioles. I think that'll be the deciding factor if they can clinch by Tuesday night. All right. I think, yes, Aaron Judge hits home run 62. And I think that the Blue Jays take one of three. I completely Only... forgot about that with Judge. I'm sorry. I, oh. think he, I think he does as well, yeah. Okay. I just think, like, if, if Judge is... Hitting well, as he is prone to do, evidenced by one of the best offensive seasons in baseball history. The Blue Jays are probably going to lose two games. I hope they don't. And we don't know the starters again. So, But Manoa's not going in this series, so maybe that messes things up a bit. I don't know. I go one of three. Hate to be pessimistic, but the Yankees are playing well right now. Um, okay, that's the episode for today. Thank you, as always, for joining and listening to us talk about the Jays. As always, you can support us by giving us a rating and review. Wherever you find your podcast, you can go subscribe to our YouTube. You can go check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash section138pod. And you can also check us out on social media. That's at section138pod and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Um, this series, regardless of what happens, will be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun in front of packed Toronto crowds. We will catch you when the Blue Jays may have clinched a playoff spot at the end of this series.